Good morning, everybody. We are uh, doing a little bit of MacGyver work this morning to make impromptu measures since the sudden link is out here uh, near the church and so we can't use our normal camera, but we'll, uh, we'll persevere. We're going to start by singing a couple songs, the first of which is Jesus is Lord of All. If you have your song sheet, you can sing along, uh, or if uh, you just remember the words, feel free to jump in. We're just going to sing these two songs and I'll come back and share this morning's message. Welcome to the morning service.
once again, we thank our musicians for coming and sharing with us this morning as part of our morning worship. Uh, if you have your Bibles, grab them and look with me in Matthew uh, chapter uh, 7. We're going to read verses uh, 9 through 13 as we begin this morning. Um, as you're turning there, uh, Patty Price told me the other day that whenever she and Jerry watch uh, the live stream, that her cat Lou sits in between them and watches the whole live stream. So my prayer for you this morning is that you get more out of this sermon than the cat does, because otherwise that would just be really sad. Uh, Matthew chapter, I said seven a moment ago, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter six. Um, I'm going to start in verse nine, Matthew six and verse nine. Jesus is speaking, he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, Kyle Ottoman tells a story from years ago. They were moving into a, a new house and, and he had saved in moving all the stuff in, he had saved the heaviest thing for last. And uh, the heaviest thing was the desk for his office. And so he was trying to get that desk uh, down the hall into the new room that was going to be his office. And as he was pulling and pushing and tugging and trying to get that desk down the hall, his four-year-old came over and said, Dad, let me help. And so he began to kind of get in there with Kyle and start to push a little bit the way you know four-year-olds want to help. And then after pushing for a minute, he stopped and turned and looked at his dad and said, Dad, you're in my way. Can you move out of the way so I can get this done? And, you know, Kyle, thinking that was funny, kind of stepped back. And then, of course, his four-year-old wasn't able to move the desk at all. Um, when we think about that, we know that there are situations in our lives where uh, because of great struggles and great difficulties and great problems that we have, that we need to come before God and ask Him, to help us push those forward. But oftentimes when it comes to prayer, that's kind of the only thing we think about with regard to prayer. It's those very difficult situations that we focus on. Uh, when it comes to prayer, our mantra often is that I can handle it myself. With the majority of the situations in our life, we think I can take care of these myself, and so I'm just going to pray about the few things that I, I need God to help me with. I, I brought with me, just to use as an illustration this morning, if you want to think of our life as this bat, um, the way that we often kind of think about our prayer life is we have the, the knob over here, and that's kind of the stuff that we pray about. It's that 1% of our life. It's just a little bit. Now, the majority of this, we can take care of ourselves. I don't need God's help with that. But when it comes to, uh, let's say there's a serious health situation, and, and I know I can't fix that myself, so I, I pray about that. Let's say somebody's marriage starts to get bad, and they realize that, that they're in over their heads trying to fix it. And so they'll come to God about that. Maybe we have somebody who's unsaved that's a family member and we want to see them safe. So we come to God about that. But the vast majority of our life, we just kind of presume, you know, I can take care of that myself. And we only pray about that little bit over here at the side that's stuff that's beyond our ability to control or to handle. As we think about that, what I want to focus on this evening in, or this morning in looking at this passage has to do with depending on God, not just for those few things, but in the larger part of our life, in all the different situations that we deal with. We need to come before the Lord and we need to ask Him to help us, not just in the few things, but in our life as a whole. We shouldn't be praying only for the stuff that's beyond our control. We should be praying 
with regard to the whole uh, gamut of our lives. Now, why don't we do that? We don't do that because we think that dependence is a dirty word. We don't like being dependent on somebody else. In our culture, we, we say, you know, you're somebody that can take care of things yourself. You can step out and do this on your own. You're an independent person. You pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. And so we don't like being dependent. And so therefore, when we're in a situation like we were talking about with praying, we, we feel like, well, okay, trusting somebody in that kind of a way equals weakness. If I have to rely on somebody else, that's weakness. And so therefore, I don't want to do that unless I absolutely have to. And that's why we wait onto those situations that are in that 1%, when it's a medical situation that we can't fix, or a relationship situation is too big for us to handle, or somebody being safe. Those are the situations I can't handle myself. For everything else, I'm going to take care of it all by myself, because trust equals weakness. Independence is something we want to avoid, if at all possible. As we look, though, um, into this and a couple other passages this morning, I want us to think about a different way to look at dependence. And that is, instead of looking at dependence like a bad mechanic, let's look at it like a good marriage. What do I mean by that? Well, we've all experienced, unless you're somebody who is a mechanic, we've all experienced the fact, you know, something's wrong with our car and maybe you're somewhere where you don't have a mechanic that you trust and so you, you take it in somewhere and you end up in a situation where they're coming back and saying, okay, this is going to be however much money that's so much more than you expected and you don't really feel like your car needs that. I remember when I was, gosh, I was probably in my early 20s and I didn't know any better and so I took my car for a, a particular problem to, I won't allow them to remain nameless, but a dealership in Barbersville. And as I took it in there, there was a specific problem that I wanted to have fixed. And sure enough, I got a phone call and they said, oh man, we, we, we're looking at your car. And we also realized you need this fixed also. And I was young enough and stupid enough that I didn't realize that, you know, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes they're tacking stuff on. And so I said, well, if it needs fixed, go ahead and fix it. And that ended up costing me a, a few extra hundred dollars. And it's situations like that that cause us to, to dislike situations where we're dependent on somebody like a mechanic because we don't know, are they going to take care of us? Are they going to come in and rip us off? And so dependence in that mechanic situation is something we want to avoid because we don't know if they're treating us right or if they're not. And when we think about dependence, we often think about it in that way. When I have to rely on somebody else, it puts me in a spot where I don't feel comfortable because I don't know if they're going to come through for me or not. So we try to avoid being dependent. Let's use a different kind of dependence, though. Let's talk about dependence in a good marriage. So when you are in a good marriage, and I realize not every marriage can we can say this about, but when you're in a good marriage, you have certain strengths and your partner has certain strengths. And within that, you don't look at that as something where you say, man, you know, I, I hate the fact that I have to rely on this person for that. But rather, you know that your life is so much better because you have that person's strengths as part of your home and part of your marriage. In our marriage, for instance, uh, I'm better at finances in terms of doing the checkbook and balancing everything. And so I take care of that. And Karen's thankful that I take care of that. If I had to do the cooking, my children would eat fish sticks and frozen pizzas for the rest of their lives. And so I'm very thankful that I have a wife who's a good cook. And as we do those things, and of course there's a whole bunch more than just those two, but as we think about those two situations, each of us looks at the other and doesn't say, oh, I hate that you do that in our marriage, but rather each of us looks at the other and is thankful that we have somebody that can take care of that for us because it's a good dependence. 
as we look at um, uh, Matthew chapter 7 here, he, he starts out by saying, uh, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. And so we come before God, it's not like that bad mechanic situation, but rather it's supposed to be this father-child relationship. And so it's supposed to be more like that marriage where you have somebody that you trust and that you love and that you believe is going to come through for you. And so because we are praying not to a distant God who doesn't really care about us or will only do what we need if we absolutely beg, instead we're coming before a God who loves us and desires to help us. And so as we think about that, we need to come and consider this morning that just like with that good dependence in marriage, maybe we need to start bringing not just a few things, but all the aspects of our lives before God. And as we pray, come before Him and include everything in our lives as stuff that we can talk to God about. What would that look like? Well, I wrote down, let me give, a, give you a few examples of some areas that maybe we don't include God that we could start. And these apply to different people at different places in their life. Maybe a student, as they're studying, should be including God in their conversation about that, whether it has to do with a subject that they're struggling in and asking God to assist them or just wanting to learn more and asking God to expand their knowledge and help them as they come into that. There's no reason that we should say, okay, I'm going to pray for this 1% of the situation, but I'm going to leave all of my schooling out of that. We can come before God and talk to Him about what we're going through when it comes to school. As you're driving around, um, whatever you happen to be thinking about, is there's no reason you can't have conversation with God as you're driving here and there and thinking about this person or that person and bringing the, their lives and their situations before God or just talking about whatever it happens to be that's on your heart. As you read, as you find something that's interesting, there's no reason that you can't come before God in, 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 as you're reading that and talk to Him about that and what you're learning there and how that needs to apply to your life and how you can become a better Christian because of that, as you watch TV, now this may be a little dicier. Your initial conversation may be God saying, You don't need to be watching that, but that's another sermon. As we come before God and what we're watching on TV, there again, as we learn things or um, as we have thoughts that come out of that, there's no reason that we can't talk to God about that. To go down the rest of the list, as we have conversations with people, we can be praying to God while we're having those conversations. How can I help this person? How can I uh, lift them up and how can I be useful to them? As we rest, as we do the checkbook, as we eat dinner, as we work, as we go out on dates, and all those things, there is no reason that we can't bring all of our life to God and not just leave prayer for the 1%. God has invited us to depend on Him, to invite Him into our lives in all those things so that we can have Him not just in a little portion of our lives, but in all of our lives. In John chapter 5, there's an interesting... Um, statement that Jesus makes that's worth our attention this morning with regard to what we're talking about. In John chapter 5 and verse 19, Jesus is talking about how he invites God the Father into every aspect of his life and how that empowers him. And it says this in verse 19 of John chapter 5. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. And by the Son there, he's referring to himself, the Son of God. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. That's an interesting statement because it indicates to us that Jesus wasn't out there doing things on His own and not relying on God and asking God to come into that, but rather that as He went through His daily life, 
He was looking for where God was moving, and he was allowing God to flow through him. And the miracles that he did and the incredible teaching that he gave wasn't something he came up with on his own, but rather it was God the Father flowing through him. And we've been invited also, because God is our Father, to not just include God in those 1% of things, but instead in every aspect of our life, we can ask God, God, give me the right words to say to this person as I'm talking, because obviously they need some comfort. God, I'm doing the checkbook right now, and I don't know exactly uh, how we're going to make everything balanced. Can you help me in that? God, I'm, I'm trying to study this and it's not making sense. Can you help me to unravel this so that I can do well on the test tomorrow? In all these things, we've been invited to ask God into every aspect of our lives and not just the 1% situations. And as we do that, because God is our Father, He desires to come and to be a part of that. So we need to understand that just as Jesus relied on God in those everyday situations, so too we can come before Him and ask Him in every aspect of our lives. Now, why would God do that for us? Why would God, or why should we ask Him to do that for us? Let me give you three reasons just briefly before I conclude here in just a minute. And I want to look at three scriptures as, as we talk about these three. Um, the first reason that we should ask God to do this is, number one, is that God likes talking to you. God likes talking to you. So we read here, going back to Matthew chapter 6, um, I don't have time to unpack the whole Lord's Prayer because it's obviously a, um, a profound piece of, of writing and a profound invitation of prayer. One thing I want to note as we read down through there, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Oftentimes as we pray, when we um, when we pray, we focus on just like we were talking about earlier, just physical requests or maybe somebody's salvation. And here as you read down through this, and again, this is a, a different sermon, but he includes all these different areas to pray about. The expansion of the kingdom, praying for God's will to happen in our life, praying God for God's will to happen in the world, praying for our daily needs to be met, praying for the relationships that we have with those around us, asking for forgiveness, and, and a number of other things too. All those are included in what God said, what Jesus says here, we should pray about. And as we come before God, oftentimes we kind of feel like we're bugging Him, and so we do just want to be brief about it and then get on with our lives. And the reality is, and those of us that are parents and have had some of our kids move away, go off to college or go and get jobs or whatever, understand when our kids call home, we don't treat that as a nuisance. We, we love the fact that they want to call us. We love the fact that they want to talk to us. And our Heavenly Father is the same way as we ask Him, even if it's something minute. You know, Father, I, I know this is a tiny thing, but I'm really worried about this. He's not going to sit there and think, oh, I can't believe that Jim is wasting my time with this. He's thankful that of all the ways I could have handled that, I'm bringing it to Him and I'm asking Him for help. Even if it's something that in the grand scheme of things maybe is a very, very tiny matter. God is thankful that I'm bringing it to him. Wayne Cordier tells the story of uh, when his daughter uh, was, was young and, and just starting elementary school, uh, he went to a, a concert, it was a Christmas concert, and you know they had, they had prepared music and, and Wayne said, you know, you, you sat there and you watched it. And he said it was terrible. You know, they, they were off key as the kids were singing. He said half the kids instead of singing were waving at different people, their parents in the audience or they'd seen their grandparents. At one point, one of the kids in the back row lost his balance and went off the back riser, which wasn't very high, so they didn't get hurt. But 
He went off the back riser and took three or four other kids with him. And yet Wayne said at the end of the concert, with all that going on, when they finished their last song, he said he stood up and applauded. He gave that concert a standing ovation. And he thought afterwards, he thought, why did I do that? And it was because his daughter was up there singing, and he wasn't evaluating their, her performance and their performance on the basis of their skill. He was evaluating on the basis of his relationship. He loved his daughter, and the fact that she was up there doing that meant that he was thrilled to be there, and he stood and applauded, even though the effort wasn't technically as great as it should have been. Well, as we come before God, maybe you're not a great prayer, or maybe you're new in the faith, and maybe you're just kind of struggling forward, and as you come to God, you, you feel inferior. God desires to hear from you, because He is your Father, and wants you to come before Him with every aspect of your life. A second reason we should do this, flip over with me to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 54. Matthew 13 and verse 54. It says there, Coming to his hometown, Jesus began teaching the people in their synagogues, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. The second reason you should bring more of what you have in your life before God is not just that he likes talking to you. The second reason is God is smarter than you. Now, I know we're wise and we think we have all this insight, but the reality is there's a whole lot of stuff that we don't understand. And here we have these folks having, with Jesus now in his ministry, now uh, coming forward to share the wisdom that God had given him. And it's interesting, in this passage, the people listen to what Jesus has to say, and they say, where did he get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? He had incredible wisdom and power to share. And as we come before God the Father, He's wiser than we are. We'll talk about the power here in a minute, but He's wiser than we are, and He has greater insight. He's smarter than we are. And so we come before Him and ask, God, I don't know how to handle this situation with one of my friends. It seems like maybe they're mad at me. How should I take care of this? We come before Him and ask, God, how should I allocate my finances so that it will honor you in the best way that it can? As we bring these things before God and ask Him for His insight, and of course we want to look into His Word for His insight as well, God is smarter than we are. Uh, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, they did this thing called Biosphere 2. It was this multi-million dollar project. It was a multi-acre enclosed uh, environment. And basically what they were trying to do was to create this environment that was, that was closed and they had all this... Um, environmental diversity within that, and they were going to put a, a few humans and a bunch of different species of animals in there and try to create a self-sustaining uh, environment. And what they found, now this was a multi-million dollar project. It had unlimited tech support, tons of people um, jumping in on that. And yet within a, a few years after they, or within a few months after they had started it, they had to start pumping in extra oxygen because they were not able to support with what was in there the oxygen levels that needed to happen. While they were doing this, a number of the vertebrate species that they had in there went extinct within what they had in the structure. Now you think about that. Here's a multi-million dollar project with all these people trying to support it to help it to do well, and the whole thing fell apart within two years. And yet here we are on this planet that continues to, to roll on that God created. You know why? Because God's smarter than we are. He knows how to do stuff in ways that we don't. So maybe we should bring every aspect of our lives before Him and ask Him to help us with it. And then finally, the third reason, Matthew chapter 19. 
and verse 26. And we already alluded to it a second ago, but I'll go ahead and use this other verse as well. Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them and said, "What With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God is more powerful than you are. Not only does God desire to hear from you, and not only is God smarter than you, but God is more powerful than you are. And so we bring our concerns before Him and ask Him, not just for advice, but for help. God, can, can you open up a door here? Can you take care of what I need? And I've said before, and I don't have time to get into it this morning, but in, in Karen and I's household, we have seen, as we've tried to be faithful to, to trust God to talk about finances for a second, we've seen Him come through with answer after answer and taking care of financial needs that we've had. Why? Because we're trying to put the kingdom of God first, and we believe that as we trust Him, He's more powerful than we are. He has more resources than we do. And so He's going to come through and provide what we need in the moment that we need it. And so as we think about all these things this morning, I want to encourage you as I conclude. And let's boil it down to something small as I conclude. So let's not think about every aspect of your life right now. As we go back to, to thinking about the bat and only limiting ourselves to what's right there. I could say this morning, let's pray for every aspect of our lives, and that's fine. That would be a good thing. But instead this morning, let's just, let's just focus on one thing. What's one aspect of your life that's somewhere in this part of the bat that you're not praying about right now? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an issue at work. Maybe it's an issue with your school. Maybe it could be anything. It could be a, a medium-sized issue, a big issue, or maybe something really small. But it's something that, as we've been talking this morning, has come to your mind and you haven't been praying about it because you only pray about the stuff that's way over here on the side. What would it look like if this week, if you began to pray about that one thing, if you began to lift that before the Lord and ask Him to help you with wisdom, with power, with insight on that one issue, and then pray with expectation and see if God doesn't open up some door there for you, if He doesn't provide some answer in a way where you come to realize because you're praying about that one issue, okay, maybe I should start praying about the other aspects of my life as well. Just think of one thing this morning. One thing that you're not praying about because you think it's too small or an area of your life that you haven't been bringing before the Lord and pray to God about that and ask Him to help you, to give you insight with regard to that one issue. I began the, the sermon with the, the Kyle Alderman story about uh, his son wanting to push that um, desk all by himself. But there's a story that precedes that. Kyle had been a, a church planter for a number of years out in, in um, California, and he was doing all the work himself. He was working 70 hours a week. His wife would ask him to take a, a day off, and he was like, I can't take a day off. There's too much work to do. And, and he ended up becoming a person who he couldn't sleep at night because he had so much on his mind. He was so stressed out. And... He said one night as he was laying there awake in the middle of the night, he said he, he felt like God was laughing at him. And he couldn't, he couldn't get rid of that idea. And he didn't know what it meant until sometime after that when they were moving into that house and he had that situation happen with his son where his son said, Dad, let me, let me do the pushing all by myself. And he came to realize that that's exactly what he had been doing. Kyle had been trying to, with this church plant, Kyle had been trying to do all the work himself. He had been using his wisdom and his power, and in every aspect of his life, he had been doing all that work by himself. And he hadn't been inviting God in the way that he should have into the work and asking him to help and give wisdom and guidance and relying 
depending on God the Father. He said he learned that lesson and began to make some big changes in his life. And my encouragement to you today, as you think about your life, is to invite God into those other aspects of your life, not just the huge issues, but the small ones, and trust and believe that God desires to meet you there and to make a difference there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful today for everyone that's listening, and I'm thankful that you are our Father and not just Almighty God. Father, I pray this morning that as um, those that have been listening think about their own lives, I pray that you would give them um, insight into the one aspect coming out of this sermon that they need to start praying about that they haven't been. I pray, Father, that uh, as they begin to pray about that, that issue this week, that you would meet them there, that you would prove yourself to be faithful, that you would prove yourself to be powerful, and that you would prove to them that you love when we talk to you, no matter what it's about. Father, I thank you that you have promised to meet us in that way. And I pray that this week, as those that listen to this sermon live that out, I thank you, Father, that we can count on you to be faithful. I pray in Jesus' name. And amen. Appreciate everybody being here this morning. Uh, I hope that's helpful and encourages you along the way. We'll be back this evening and uh, again at 6.30. No music tonight, but we will be having uh, some time in prayer after the sermon, so I'll post in the Madison Baptist Church announcements uh, an opportunity for you to list if there's folks you want us to pray for tonight. Uh, and We'll do that this evening after the sermon. Thanks for being here. Have a great Sunday. I don't know when we'll get to be back together, but in the meantime, it's good to have you on the live stream. Have a great day.